0: Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and I thought we were going to start pulling out the evergreen topics, the best of lists, the off-season news that uh, we tend to try and make up so we have something to talk about, but no, the Chiefs actually gave us some things to talk about, so let's not delay at all, let's introduce the guys. He thought the trailer for Meg 2 was the Frank Clark signing announcement, Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man?
1: All right, side story. I have the option to go see Meg 1, and then I just said no.
0: I didn't have a really good excuse. I was just like, yeah, not interested. I kept waiting for there to be more of the story, and there wasn't. He's trying to figure out how to make Andy Reed New Heights episode require viewing at work. Sam Blanca is with us. What's going on, man?
2: Considering my boss, like, her favorite shirt is the big red Andy Reid chief shirt I have, I don't think it's going to be too hard to convince her. Like, I've got a certain amount of training I have to hit all year. I think I'll be able to skew that. I'll be like, listen, it's like motivational speaking. This is training.
1: Let's still not let Sean talk. Um, help me out. I guess I've not been paying attention to Twitter or podcast. Did one already get published, or there's one planned for Andy Reid on the show?
0: It will drop tomorrow or for us, yesterday, for everybody listening to this podcast. And I am Sean Deegan, and I am ready to spend the entire episode pressuring Jacob Allen to start a Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Enough introductions. Uh, We have actual news regarding the Chiefs, which, like I said at the top, this is usually the time of year where, like, if you could have drafted whoever in 2009, who would you have taken instead of blah, blah, blah. And instead, the Chiefs actually go out and make a move that actually has significant ramifications for what the offensive line is going to look like for the Kansas City Chiefs going forward. So this is from Chiefs Wire. And again, one of our favorites, Charles Goldman, uh, dropped this on uh, yesterday, May 8th, as we're recording this here on Tuesday, May 9th, in regards to the Chiefs bringing in Donovan Smith, formerly left tackle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs signed him to a one-year up Two $9 million deal. The actual details of the contract are still not fully released at this point. And as of right now on over the cap, I've not been able to find Donovan Smith listed as a part of their their total cap number, the costs against the cap. So you, which the signing alone threw a lot of things into flux. It's like, okay, well, he's only played left tackle. So maybe he's coming in in this competition or just a backup to support because they don't really have a whole lot of veteran leadership, especially at left tackle. And then instead, there's reports start to come out. Um, Tom Pellisaro was the one who originally dropped the news, but then Andy Reid, or excuse me, Andy Reid. Uh, then Tom Pellisaro, um, Nate Taylor confirms this. Nate Taylor beat Ryder from The Athletic. And then of all people, the person who was least likely to give us any actual information, Andy Reid himself says, And this is from uh, Chiefs Wire. Quote, he'll be with the left side, yes, Reed said of Smith, probably with the ones, close quote. And so as of right now, going into OTAs, Donovan Smith is the projected starting left tackle with Juwan Taylor, who we previously thought was going to swing over to the left side, staying at his natural right tackle position. First of all, guys, what was your reaction to the Chiefs bringing in Donovan Smith? Definitely kind of a an off the radar signing, not one I think any of us expected, but one that definitely has some major impacts. So, what do you guys think, Sam? We'll start with you.
2: Well, I mean, firstly, Sean, you're you're maybe we didn't talk about it, but you're greatly disrespecting the great Nate Taylor because he wrote about it at the beginning of offseason, <laughs> um, as he talks about on on the new episode of of Times Ours. But no, I. I the thing I, I look at it, like, I don't care. It could be player X, Y, or Z at that position. All I look at, he's been a starting left tackle in the NFL. And I remember the last Super Bowl we played against the Buccaneers where we didn't have any tackles. So the more the merrier. So I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Like, it, it doesn't um, – I, I don't have any issue with the uh, Juwan Taylor – Now being such a high paid right tackle, because at the end of the day, look at the, the number of teams that have dual threat or two elite pass rushers. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like that, that pay range should be leveling out pretty quickly. I feel like, like left tackle will probably be paid slightly more regardless, but you can have an elite right tackle. Great. That's fantastic. Why it just – the thing that blew me away was the amount of complaining that the Chiefs fandom, the Chiefs' kingdom, did on Twitter. Because it's just like, what? We got another tackle. It's more competition. It's another potential starting option.
0: Great. Jay, what about you? What was your reaction to the Chiefs bringing in Donovan Smith to play left tackle?
1: I thought it would have happened earlier, but it makes sense post-draft to do it. So after, when he was initially released, I thought the Chiefs would be pretty interested in the same way they're interested now of this is a security blanket type of sign. So really I should not have been overly surprised, but I still was kind of surprised because I think it had left the radar of my thoughts since it had been a while since he was released. And so I was just kind of like, that's an odd move. But like Sam said, it's like, you know, it wasn't like the two tackles last year were that great. So what they have now, I feel like,
0: is at least better than that. Yeah, I I, I didn't have a huge reaction initially when I saw the news. I was like, oh, wow, Chiefs made another signing because I figured it would be a depth signing. And then the news starts to trickle out that maybe he's going to start at left tackle, and that was the part that really kind of took me aback back just because it threw into question of what I thought the chief game plan was initially, but I I liked it. It doesn't bother me. I think most of what bothers the people I've heard, I was listening to KCSN, and their concern is mostly the process. Well, what was the process with addressing tackle? And I think this is probably plan C if I was going to put a label on it. So if it, as far as Plan C's go, this isn't a bad one to me. I I like it. You know, if it ends up just being a depth signing, having a veteran like that to fill in at left tackle, that's great. And again, he's going to run with the ones going into OTAs. We're not even close to training camp yet, so let's just let things play out. We'll find out what what we can actually expect when we have a little more detail. I actually, get to see guys in pads. You know, there's questions about Donovan Smith actually being healthy because he played a lot of last year with injuries so there's just a lot of unknowns so on the surface though I like it. I think it's a, a good signing for a low cost a Brett Veep special it's it's kind of a, a perfect fit for the Chiefs that is a low risk high reward to me which for you guys I like I said it's high risk or low risk high reward what are realistic expectations though Because obviously we can be like, oh, well, he's going to start at left tackle. Well, he'll stand there, but we just had a guy who kind of just stood there over at left tackle, and I don't think most of Chiefs' kingdom this season anyway was particularly thrilled with the overall play and inconsistency of Orlando Brown Jr. So what are realistic expectations for Smith? Again, with the caveat that we've never seen him in an Andy Reid offense, we've never seen him... Um, play with, with this collection of offensive linemen and with this offense? And without knowing, if is he going to be fully healthy? Is he now kind of hitting that part where he's over the hill? Lots of variables, right? But what going into training camp do you think would be realistic expectations for Donovan Smith? Um, Jacob, we'll let you take lead on this one.
1: Somewhere between the Kyle Long with Chiefs and Cam Irving with Chiefs. As far as how much they'll play expectation, not necessarily their level of play expectation. You know, Kyle Long was brought in as insurance and then ended up never really seeing the feel for the Chiefs. There was a veteran guy that they were kicking the tires on, but also a guy that had some injury history. On the flip side, Cam Irving just... Hadn't lived up to his draft status, and so the Chiefs tried to play him all over the place. He didn't play particularly great in any situation, but he he only had a few situations, cough, cough, Aaron Donald, that he just looked abysmal during. And so that's kind of where I'm at playing time for him. But you know, I don't – my expectation is I'm thinking he doesn't play <laughs> – If he doesn't play, that's your best scenario. Juwan Taylor plays left tackle, and one of the young guys has right tackle. And I think most picture-perfect is Wanya Morris plays right tackle because then you're set for a few years versus if Lucas Niang wins that right tackle spot, then you're going back to the board anyway to try to find a new contract for him in a year.
0: Sam, what about you? What do you think are realistic expectations for Donovan Smith?
2: I think it's interesting that people look at him. Yes, like... All the stats point to he is he is a lesser tackle than Orlando Brown. Like specifically with the amount of holding penalties he gets. Listening to two times R's guys because again I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Donovan Smith. I don't again don't really care to go in and deep dive into film on a left tackle. But he's he's a similar type of player to Orlando Brown. He is not the dancing bear. He's the mauler. And at the end of the day, I, I think you. The, the reasonable expectation is him to start for a year. And if he gets beat, he gets beat. But you're bringing a guy that has NFL experience, that has played left tackle. That's the big thing. And this allows, and I think the thing that this allows, it allows Juwan Taylor to get into the offense, learn the offense at the position he is comfortable with, at right tackle. The thing he's played. He can get comfortable with Andy Reid's offense. He can get comfortable with the players, the team, and then if if Donovan Smith succeeds, great. You can continue that. You can continue down that road. If he doesn't, you now have Juwan, uh, Juwan Taylor, who now has a year of experience in our offense, and you can say, okay, now we don't have to worry about you learning everything brand new and learning left tackle. Now you just get to learn left tackle. So I, I think it's it's like I said, it's a depth piece. Number one, it's a, it's it's more competition within that that room. But I think the expectation is you've got a guy that if he's healthy, he will probably be your starter for this year. And I don't think, I mean, I don't want to edge too far into your next, the next question, but I don't think that's too much of a drop-off of the the Orlando Brown we saw not the beginning of last year and the year before. Not great, but guess what? Still pretty good.
1: Well, I do have one more question because Sean was saying this was plan C. I want to hear your guys's what plan this was, because I think it might even be plan D. I think plan A was Laramie Tunsil. How much did that cost? Too much. Plan B was okay. Read- did you read the rundown? Oh jeez. It just seemed like a question. Rewind, delete, mark the time. I was already ready to throw out your last question of same better.
0: Oh man! All right, oh. well, I'll try to hustle. I'll try to hustle along so we can get to Jacob's question here. A lot, you know what? Uh,
1: maybe an edit on the question is: where does it rank for Mahomes' lines that have been assembled? Since we've already said we think it's a little better than last year.
2: Well, I think we can compare it overall.
1: Okay, sounds good.
2: Talk, talk about. I'll it. read
1: the le- I'll read the rest of the re- the rundown while we hop back to Sean to go to the question. So Sean will no, talk about
2: his expectations
1: for <laughs> a second time.
0: Oh, so I think re- reasonable expectations. Sam, he's going to start and play at least an average left tackle. I think that is a reasonable expectation to put on him if he's fully healthy. But sounds like he battled a lot last year. And again, you're you're taking a lot of information there's, and you have to figure out okay how much of his play when he was doing well was Tom Brady, how much of it was him. You know there there are a lot of things to factor. But one of the things that is is brought up with everybody is that in 2021 it was definitively his best season, um, and. That goes from everybody from PFF, who had him rated at like an 83 on their scale, to Seth Kaiser said 2021 was definitely better than 2022. In his last article on Chief of the North, it's, even the the dissenters are like, it was better. The people who say it was because of Tom Brady, they say 2021 was his best season. Before that, it's considered him as at least an average left tackle. I think if he can play an average left tackle... That's a win. I think that's that is a reasonable expectation to put on someone who has left tackle experience and has has done that before when healthy. Next question here. I do want to ask. Sam's kind of alluded to this here um, a couple times. Is and I want to ask you guys: Is this line better, the same, or worse as of today than the previous? Uh, in last year at least. And, Jacob, to your to your question, where does that rank? You know, if you want to throw that in, I think that's a, a, that will help set some certain expectations with what should the not just the expectations be for Donovan Smith, what should the expectations be for this line? So, um, Jacob, we'll, we'll let you take the lead on this one again. Um, is the line better, the same, or worse as of today with Donovan Smith at left tackle? and Jelon Taylor right?
1: I think just very marginally better than last year. I don't think last year was the worst of the Mahomes' lines. I'd go with the uh, the obviously injured offensive line that wound up happening, but also not far behind it would be the line that relied on Austin Ryder and Andrew Wiley to be starters in the center of it. And then also Cam Irving coming in during the season. And then the top line was that 2019 squad that was Fisher and Schwartz on the ends. And you were settled. But also I think I'm now just combining years and fantasizing of that that was the perfect line. Anyway, I think they're just slightly better than last year. Not by a ton. And I think there's a potential to be a very good line. But it's all based on Lucas Niang's
0: health and Wanya Morris's ability in the NFL. Sam, what about you? Is this line better, worse, or the same as of today?
2: I, I think it's not like heads and shoulders better, but but markedly better than last year's. And the reason I think that number one is, I think you'd be crazy to say Juwan Taylor is not a pretty big upgrade over Andrew Wiley. Like, as serviceable and and... and as cult hero, hero, heroish, he is now for what he did in this playoff run in the Super Bowl. Like I think he he is what he is, and I think Jawan Taylor is a legitimate starting right tackle. And like I said, I don't really think Donovan Smith is is that big of a downgrade, if at all, over Orlando Brown. Now you may say that people might say it's crazy because again, like you look at their careers, yes, Orlando Brown. Looks to have the better career, but they're similar type players that are going to be playing in an offense that may not suit their skill set that well. And that's the biggest issue with it, I think, is that why I don't think you'll see too crazy of a decline is they do the same thing. And, and like, like, uh, it's it, you will probably, we will probably still get frustrated as hell with Donovan Smith. I'm not going to lie, but guess what? We did that with Orlando Brown last <laughs> year, too. Um, so I, I think it's going to be, and then you combine that with obviously your two now, what, third year pros being just that much better. Like, I think you have a, a markedly better line this year than you did last year. And I think the biggest thing, and they, again, talked about it on Times Ours, I listened to it today, um, that the release today, they, we were paying, Nate Taylor kind of gave it the stat that. We're paying the our offensive tackles last year nineteen point one million dollars combined. We're paying like maybe top ten tops ten million this year, depending on what Donovan Smith's contract becomes. Because again, Juwan Taylor's getting paid a million dollars for his first year, so I I think it's a I think it's a win overall. Um, Just just may it's not exactly what we wanted, but it is an improvement.
0: Maybe it's because I'm higher on John Taylor. I mean, maybe I should be, but i would, if this was going to be like a letter grade, I'd go a full letter grade ahead. And it's not just because of like who's on the starting offensive line. It's, I, I like the depth of offensive line, I think better this year than last year. Uh, getting Yang back healthy not needing him to start. You have now, Instead of Juan Morris expected to start, you can let him develop and, and be the swing tackle on the team. I also like the idea that you can maybe leave Juwan Taylor on an island more often. And you only have to help one side. Because I think that was the biggest conundrum for the Chiefs last year was, which side do we help? Who's who's more prone to getting beat on, on against this particular team? Is it Orlando Brown Jr. or is it Andrew Wiley? They gave up a lot of pressure off the edges. And that's something that I think this coming season, even if Donovan Smith is just an an average left tackle, which is still would be great. I, I would take an average left tackle. If Juwan Taylor is an above average right tackle, if he plays up to that contract, you only have to help one side. And I think that makes the rest of the offensive line better. If you can leave four guys on an island and just leave a tight end on the left side or chip with Jarek McKinnon or a running back over there. It just makes things a lot easier for that offense and for Patrick Mahomes. So I would give it a full letter grade jump just because of the cascading effect and what it means for the rest of the guys on the line if Juwan Taylor is, is as good as as I think he will be. Jumping ahead to what apparently is Jacob's favorite question of the night. Seeing the signing of... Donovan Smith kind of made me reevaluate what I thought plan A was for the Chiefs. It's it's we all thought that tackle was going to be in me, but we thought it would be like right tackle and we thought they addressed it with Waier Morris. and it looks like maybe that wasn't necessarily the idea since they clearly had this in their back pocket of let's get through the draft see if we can get one of our guys and if it doesn't work out, we've got Donovan Smith, and waiting in the wings that we've had conversations with his representation they don't have interest depending on what we can get done in the draft. Okay, the draft didn't go the way we want, we get Donovan Smith. To me that feels like a planned scene, at least. Jacob, you mentioned that it might even be a plan D. So what do you guys think was was the original plan for the draft, or even before for left tackle? What was the plan for left tackle? Sam will start with you.
2: Yeah, so i am actually counter to what you guys are saying because I don't think you can look at it as a, first, I don't think you looking at it as a fluid plan is asinine with how the, the NFL works. You have contingencies depending on X, Y, and Z. I think Donovan Smith has very well been in their plan from the very beginning. And there's a good chance they've had conversations with him from the beginning of free agency or since I can't remember if he got cut directly at, free agency or whenever, whenever he's been a free, since he's been a free agent. And they waited till a very specific point for a reason. And that's because his signing now does not go against the compensation picks for next year. So they got a left tackle without losing the ability to get compensation for what they've lost with Orlando Brown. So that's one aspect. Number two, I still think they would have signed him because again, he's not expensive. We're not talking about another Jawan Taylor deal. If you could jump up, if, if and again, the, one of the big contingencies is how did the draft fall? Yeah, If there was an elite offensive tackle there at our at pick, you damn well believe the Chiefs are going to draft one. But that's not how it fell. But regardless, even if we had gotten a left tackle early on in the draft, why is it bad to have another left tackle on the roster? Like, I, so I, I don't think... Like I I wouldn't be surprised if he hadn't been in the plans or there hadn't been conversations with him from the beginning. And part of that conversation was, listen, we already got one big tackle. Let's wait. And he's an availability. He's not going to hurt the cap that much. And he's a player that we can bring in for competition. So, yes, I, I think there's. Uh, the obvious point, like I said, where if if there was a tackle available at the point in our draft, I would believe they would take them. That just wasn't the realistic option this year. And so they got one now without having to lose the problem or to go against the uh, compensation um, calculation
0: or, or algorithm that they utilize. Jacob, what about you? What do you think the original plan was for, for a left tackle with the Chiefs? I think
1: the starting place was finding out what the price was on Laramie Tunsil. Do I think that went very far? No, I don't think it did. I think Texans were probably like, we have a high price tag, and so does he, so you're giving up a lot. And so I think that died pretty quickly. So that was probably plan A, but a plan A that was like a quick to abandon plan. Plan B, I think, was to trade up if one of their guys fell low enough, whether that was Paris Johnson, Roderick Jones, or... Uh, whoever the third offensive tackle was in the draft. They're all dead to me now anyway, since they're not Chiefs. I think plan C was one of your guys fell to you, whether it was an Anton Harrison, and that was who you took in round one. And then plan D was what we just saw. So I think that's where
0: it was at. Yeah, I think, Sam, the the I agree with you that maybe Donovan Smith was going to be in their plans all along. To me, the plan, though, a starting left tackle was very different from Donovan Smith. I agree with Jacob. I think they absolutely called about Laramie Tunsil. There was talk about that going on all through the offseason until they signed Juwan Taylor. The other thing that keeps getting tossed around is the Chiefs talked about how they made calls to try and trade up. And we all initially thought it was for a receiver, right, because that was that was where the majority of a- AFC teams who have direct direct frustrations with the Chiefs And their recent run of success were with the receiver run. And so they weren't able to get up ahead in order to make that. We assumed that that was what that was for, was to go get a receiver. I wonder if that extended to, you know, the Patriots, the Steelers, where where Broderick Jones went. I want to know if that's, if that whole, well, the AFC teams didn't really want to trade with us. They didn't want us to go up that far. They didn't want us to go up to go get our guy. Because that was something Brett Veach talked about, was in, they couldn't make a deal to go up. A lot of the teams just kind of shut it down. I think plan B was to do what we wondered if they would be willing to do and go up into that top 15 and go get a left tackle. To your point, Jacob, I don't think they were waiting to find out, is, is Darnell Wright going to fall to 22? I think they were willing to go up into the top 15. I think plan C was Anton Harrison. Kind of what we had, we had anticipated that if the Chiefs stayed at 31. And then Jacksonville, ironically enough, the team you took a tackle from, takes Harrison right in front of you. And so you're left with Donovan Smith, who I I don't know if the – and you have to help me, Sam. I don't think he counts against the, comp- the draft pick compensation because he got cut. I think the bucks the it's, bucks cut him on the seventh. I don't know if that counts, as opposed to just. I, going I believe in- it's. A,
2: I believe it's a date. I think after the draft is when that compensation that algorithm cuts off. At least that was to my understanding when of things that I've heard. Gotcha. It could be more into it, but my understanding was after the draft is when that algorithm.
0: Right, and, I and that's what my out. my where my knowledge. Drops off in a yeah. big way. And I should do more research since we have a Chiefs podcast. It's something yeah. I should probably know.
1: If, if you're asking the Twitter experts, they said because he was released, it does not okay. count against the compensation. It does not
0: matter. Okay. Well, but, again,
1: this is all the Twitter experts. It's <laughs> right. a grain right. of salt.
0: Right. So, for me, I, I agree, Sam, to your point. I do think that there would probably still be conversation of, hey, do you want to come in and be the backup left tackle? Absolutely, because they didn't, like I said before, they didn't really have a ton of depth at left tackle. Wanya Morris and Luke Sneeing, both are primarily right tackles. Yes, Wanya Morris played some left tackle initially in his career, and then apparently wasn't that great at it and moved over to right tackle in Oklahoma. So for me, it's more about he was what was left. And as far as plan C or D works, that's a really good one. To me, I think if if you're the Chiefs and you're moving with this, it's like, okay, here's, and we say like plan A, B, C, or D, this is the whole plan. The plan is, this is what we're going to try first. If that doesn't work, we're going to do this. If that doesn't work, we'll do this. If that doesn't work, we'll do this. It's all one plan, but I don't think this was their first option. And I think that maybe next year, even if they have to overpay, we might see them be very aggressive at trying to address left tackle specifically, because that has been a position since Eric Fisher and really Mitchell Schwartz were released, they have been trying to fill long term for a while. Now, I did want to ask, because this is, and this might not have to be necessarily a super long conversation, but I think it's important to put, you know, a, you know, I don't know what the word is. I think it's important to give uh, opinions early on rather than react to everything. Be proactive rather than reactive. That's what I'm trying to say. What line do you think you would have preferred? Again, without having seen anything. But, and I put this as an example of of what the Chiefs would have to give up. I used the, the Rich Hill uh, draft trade value chart. And this is like barely a fair deal. But would you have preferred having Broderick Jones that left tackle, you would have had to trade up to 14 with the Patriots to go get him, which would have cost you, I think, either two firsts or a first, a second, and a third just to meet the value of pick 14. Or, you know, if you give obviously a lesser deal, maybe try to get up into the early 20s to go get Anton Harrison, get ahead of the Jaguars, and go get him. So, just to give you like the parameters going up to 14s, first, second, and third, obviously below that would be less. Or you Good with the idea of Smith starting at left tackle and then trying again next year to address that spot. Um, Sam, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting question. I, I think there's a unfortunately, I think the the prices you put down, even off of like um, kind of the price calculation that you kind of gathered, may not be realistic. And I think that's because I. I have a feeling there is now starting to become a a, a chiefs tax where anything Veach wants to do is probably going to cost more than he wants to spend. Like, it doesn't make sense as far as players, but draft, I, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be willing to be like, yeah, chiefs here. They're going to be like, okay, you want it? Okay. It's going to cost you a lot. So, I think it would it be nice to get a first round tackle. Yes. I I'm not willing to pay that much. Like I've seen what Beach can do with draft picks and and I know tackle is one of those positions that like is relatively difficult to find in later rounds, as we've seen. But the more draft picks you have, the better chances you get. And like I, I don't necessarily want to give up another first next year to do it. So I'm I'm fine with Donovan Smith, um, and as the the hype train begins with Rashi Rice, we can't give that guy up. I mean, look at him; he's going to be two thousand yards receiving and the best receiver Patrick Mahomes ever had. Because the hype train is the only other better player is Justin Ross. Two guys we've never seen play in the NFL, but but they're the best players Patrick Mahomes ever thrown the ball to. So,
0: but I, I I'd keep where we're at to be honest. I just thought of a topic that we're going to have to do this year, and that's biggest preseason hype lists. Like who's the top preseason hype players of all time for Kansas City Chiefs? I think that would be fun. Uh, Jacob, what about you? Would you rather have Donovan Smith at left tackle and you still, to Sam's point, you get to keep Rashi Rice, get to keep Wanya Morris, or maybe it's a BJ Thompson if it's, you know, something you're moving up into the 20s rather than the teens to go get. Would you rather have Donovan Smith and those players or go up and solidify, hopefully, left tackle for the foreseeable future with a Broderick Jones?
1: I don't think it's a full fair question for me because I was not in love with Broderick Jones. Um, so my instant answer is no, I wouldn't go get Broderick Jones. But let's just say it was trade up to go get someone I think I still like the depth because I just did not love the left tackle class. And, you know, the Paris Johnson area was not obtainable. That was a lot of picks to go up. You're probably talking two firsts, you know, one being this year, and then probably a second and a third or something like that to maybe even three total first. Yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah, I, the cost was too much to move up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I like the potential of the other
0: guys they grabbed. Yeah, I'm while I am not as anti trade up as maybe, you know, someone that Jacob and I have looked up to for a long time that Seren Petro is, I am not that big of a proponent for trading up. It worked last year with, with Trent McDuffie, but we've seen numerous examples where it hasn't worked. And and to Sam's point, which is a fabulous one, more darts means better chance of success. More lottery tickets, you have a better chance of hitting. And while, yes, you do an incredible amount of work as an NFL scout general manager and, and, and the coaches even in the draft process to try and get ready for the draft, being a person is hard. Being a person who's famous is hard. Being a person who's famous and getting their head bashed in every week in a virtual car accident is really hard. And there are a lot of variables that come with that. So I, I, it's kind of a dart throw at a certain point. It's like you have to hope that guy's going to take the reins and live up to the hype, stay healthy. It's just, there's a lot. So I'd rather take the extra picks and hope that, you know, Wanya Morris becomes something than, than sacrifice all those picks to go get a guy, at least for this year. Now, talk to me next year when, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. comes out, and maybe I'm willing to give up the entire draft to go get that guy.
2: But you, you shut your mouth, Sean,
0: because it's Brock Bowers or nobody. <laughs> but yeah, for right now, I'd rather have I'm I'm good with Donovan Smith at left tackle, and, and the rest of the rock, the draft playing out how it did. Last question about this, and then I want to move to some Twitter activity from from Chris Jones. How does kind of our, our our feelings about what we think the plan was and where it ended up affect how you feel about the draft class as a whole. Obviously it's it's maybe looks a little bit different. You know, maybe the Chiefs go with you know a uh Ojolari or somebody like that. They trade up for that guy in, in the second round to try and and solidify pass rusher if Anton Harrison falls to them at thirty one or they move up to go get Anton Harrison. Maybe they you know, go, go up further, try to get up ahead of the Seahawks and take Derek Hall. You know, who do they take in the third round? Do they, do they wait at 63 and take Marvin Mims Jr.? How does all of this affect how you guys feel about the draft class as a whole? Um, Jacob, we'll let you take me on this one.
1: I think it made me realize just how much it was not there, at least plan A or plan B because of going to grab Smith. It's, it's an admittance of we don't like our tackle spot. We were hoping things happened differently.
0: Sam, what about you? How how does where we've ended up maybe how you feel about what the plans were affect how you feel about this draft class as a whole, if at all?
2: It doesn't doesn't really affect me too much. Um, again, I, I as I said last week, I, I don't think this is this is not a sexy draft class, like. You've got some players, Rashi Rice and and Felix, I think, are the two key players, the first two I've drafted, obviously, but I think the two that you look at and are like, okay, these guys can do something. The rest of the draft does seem like a lot of depth pieces and some, hey, maybe this works out, like maybe we can find another fifth or sixth round steal, but it it doesn't affect me a lot. I, I just don't think, as you said, when you talk about Anton Harrison, like he's a right tackle. I don't feel like he's a left tackle. The, the conversation of left tackle would have been the top two guys. And I just, like I said, I don't, didn't like the idea of trading up for them at the positions they went. So I've got my problems with the draft, but like I've said, in Beach, we trust the draft picks at this point. So
0: I think the one pick that, well the two picks I'll say. I, I'm still very high on Felix Angyidike Usama. Just because I was high on him prior to him going as a chief. I thought he was a vastly underrated prospect, mainly because of the system that he was asked to run in with K State and the responsibilities given to him. Rasheed Rice, I'm still I'm still excited to see what he can do just because they had enough conviction to move up as high as they did to go get him. You know, moving up, I think it was eight. Nine spots to go get him, so I'm still bullish on maybe he can be you know a Juju Smith Schuster type eventually for the Chiefs. But even that one, I like. I kind of have reined in expectations a bit. You know, Wanya Morris. I was thinking, well, maybe he'll start at right tackle. Well, maybe not. Maybe you need to. I need to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, maybe B.J. Thompson is. Oh, uh, uh, who's the kid from? Florida State they took a couple years back that we've never heard from. Kando. Yeah, yeah, Joshua Kando. Maybe he's Kando.
1: He's actually Jordan Smith from UAB, a guy I was in love with who's never done anything so far in his two years <laughs> He's with the Jaguars. I search him occasionally just to try to see if I was right. Right. The answer is I haven't been right yet.
0: And and maybe the uh, Keandre Coburn is Gerald Poe. You know, maybe maybe that's what they are. I'm I'm so I'm reserving I'm trying to keep my excitement in check a little bit for the rest of the class outside of uh FAU. But I'm still happy with it. I still think in some ways I'm as in, I'm even more impressed with what they did, considering how many times they had to, to you know make a left turn and change their plans in order to, to get to where they wanted to be. Alright, enough draft talk, let's talk about Twitter because that's always a fun place to be. For Chiefs fans, although here recently this week, it actually has been a pretty good time because we've been seeing Chris Jones be very active in recruiting former Chiefs, specifically Frank Clark. He's shouted out multiple times. And then one I didn't really expect, Mike Pinnell as well, to come back to the Chiefs. That one kind of caught me off guard, but I was like, all right, cool. Let's bring back the big old run stuffer. Let's go. But he's been adamant. He even put one, another one out today. Again, we're recording this here Tuesday, May 9th. About, and tweeted at the Chiefs to bring the Shark back. Here's where I wonder, is this an indicator for something else? Because if you go to over the cap, the Chiefs have $3.7 million of cap space. That does not include, to what I can see, the Donovan Smith contract. Which we don't really have all the details for yet. So I don't know where that money's coming from if they sign Frank Clark or Mike Pinnell. Mike Pinnell might be a little bit easier. You can go like a veteran contract, but it's the bare minimum that's not guaranteed. Maybe that works out. But Frank, I have to feel like, is going to want more than $3.7 million. So my question to you guys is, does the Jones tweet indicate that an extension is coming soon? And not like they've gone to Jones and said, hey, we can't sign these other guys until you get an extension. I'm not saying they wouldn't. I don't know how all that works. But does that mean, do you think, that maybe Jones knows his extension is, is at least getting close or coming into focus and knows that some money is going to come free? Do you take anything from this that might indicate that Chris Jones is going to be signed up to be achieved for a long time? Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I at this point I'm like, I'm waiting
2: for the we stop recording five minutes later, Chiefs announce Chris Jones contract extension because it's, it's there. I don't think anyone doesn't think it's there, not there. And this is just like, maybe it's in his contract that like, if I sign this extension, you bring back Frank Clark, you bring, bring in Mike Pennell again. And like, he just has a list of, I just want these guys on my team again. And that's part of his contract. That's like, instead of signing bonuses, he's like, you sign this guy. Because I control the defense now. So I don't know. I yeah, I, I think I think it's partly a level of ingest because like if you've seen all the interactions he's had with like Tyree Kill and everything over the offseason so far, like it, it is but but there is signs there. Like we know he has a good relationship with Frank Clark, like they've are very close to each other and, and I think they are not only Good teammates, good friends, and so he obviously wants the best for his friend. And he's he's kind of the linchpin at this point. So I, I think it does uh, point towards we will be hearing about a Chris Jones extension before too long.
0: Jacob, what about you? Do you think the recruitment of Frank Clark in a roundabout way is an indicator that maybe Chris Jones is close to an extension given the keep the Chiefs cap situation?
1: Yes. I don't know how they go into the season without the Chris Jones extension. They always like having that flexibility to grab a guy mid-season if they want to, and $3 million is just too tight on the cap. And like you said, it hasn't even included the Donovan Smith deal. So, yes, Chris Jones has got to happen before the season to free up a little bit of cap space.
0: I think it means that even if there's not one in place that – One will be done before training camp. That's that's my new prediction based off these tweets. I think he knows that good progress is being made at minimum and that there will be a windfall of cash available once that contract extension is signed to then go make those moves. And maybe he's putting that out now so that once training camp rolls around, Frank Clark, Mike Pinnell, whoever else, Chris Jones wants to bring in and do his best Aaron Rodgers impersonation just on the defensive line. I think maybe this is that. At least that's what I hope. And maybe I'm, I'm putting too much onto this. It just seemed odd. Not odd, but it seemed like maybe this is like the first indication, given that the Chiefs don't have that much money available. Maybe it's a qualifier, like you said, Sam, to bring, to get that extension. It's like, hey, I'll sign this, but I won't. I want my guys around me too because there's going to be a lot of youth now and a lot of new faces now that I'm going to have to work with I'd like some familiarity at least so maybe this is that but I do think it means that minimum progress is being made towards an extension and I'm betting that something gets done before training camp flipping out to maybe the other ramifications of this how would you feel about Frank Clark and or Mike Pinnell mostly Frank Clark coming back Jacob, you had said that – I don't remember who you were quoting, but you had brought it up a while back just in our conversations. And you've said it, I think, on the podcast before about how Alex Smith became one of the most loved Chiefs of all time when he left. Like, once he was no longer a Chief, he became beloved by Kansas City. Far more than he was when he was in the red and gold uniform. So – How would you feel about Frank Clark coming back? Because I feel like his name would be up for that kind of thing. Um, So how do you feel about Frank Clark returning to the Chiefs, Jacob? We'll start with you.
1: No and no. My last answer was simple. My answer this time is simple. It would just make zero sense to me because if you were going to keep Frank Clark, you would have reworked his contract and not cut him and hurt your numbers out that way. Same thing with Mike Pinnell. Mike Pinnell was not terrible last year, and neither was Frank Clark. Frank Clark and Mike Pinnell were both serviceable defensive linemen in the NFL, but to not keep committing to your young guys after what you did last year makes zero sense to me. On top of that, for Mike Pinnell, it's like you just signed Derek Naughty for depth as well. So it's like, are you going to also sign Mike Pinnell, then cut Derek Naughty? I mean, that's the scenario you live in because you're not going to cut Coburn.
0: So, I just doesn't make zero sense to me. Sam, what about you? How would you feel about Frank Clark returning in the Chiefs? Yeah,
2: so, personally, Mike Pinnell, no. Like Jacob said, there, there's no point for that position with, with Coburn and Naughty and Mike Dana. They all serve similar roles. Like, Mike Dana's the weird one because he's tiny compared to those guys, but he still is able to do that position well for some reason. Frank, I'm... As much hate as I've given Frank on this podcast, because I, I would say I'm probably the one that, after his, his whole Uzi and the Lamborghini situation came out, I was like, get him out of here, I'm done. And then, like, that's still a situation I don't know where it's at. Like, that's the one That's one thing, is like, do we have any information on that? Like, is that even, is, is it even a thing anymore? Or they're just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Give me a vet minimum, which is weird for Frank Clark. But, like, give me a minimum, no Lamborghinis, no Uzis. He doesn't play until the playoffs. <laughs> like, uh, he, he, Frank is a valuable piece. Like, we saw last year, he obviously was dealing with health issues for the majority of the year, I think. And, and we saw what he can bring in the playoffs. I think he could be a valuable resource for not only defensive line depth, um, but also FAU because I think they will be relatively similar players as far as their play style, what he, what they can do. Um, even though I think FAU will end up being maybe a, have more in his repertoire, but like, I think early on, if he can learn from Frank Clark, how to be an NFL pro, that's obviously a good thing. Cause we've heard how good of a, a locker room presence he actually is. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm with Jacob where it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring him back after you just cut him. But if it's cheap, if it's makes sense for the team, um, I, I can't see why it wouldn't be a depth piece for for a pass rusher. Because again, FAU didn't even, didn't participate in rookie minicamp because he had thumb surgery apparently. So is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Like, what is Charles Amenhue? Like, what is he going to play? So there is there is a lot of questions still on the D line, and and Frank could do something. I just, it just depends on the price, I think, for me.
0: See, I think that's where I'm I'm maybe more bullish on the idea of bringing back Frank Clark because of all the questions on the line. Like, the only two guys who I feel comfortable with that have played on this line before, are, are, as a defensive end specifically, right, are George Karloftis and Mike Dana. And that's it. There are guys I'm excited for, but I don't know how they're going to look in this defense like Charles Menahue. I'm excited to see what he can do. I've made my feelings on Felix Anyudike Osama very clear. I think he's got all the upside in the world, but we don't really know what they're going to look like, and we don't even know what FAA is going to look like in the NFL, much less this defense. Outside of that, you've got Truman Jones, Joshua Kando, and Malik Herring. As your defensive ends on the roster right now. You're telling me Frank Clark. And Mike Dana. Tate, Truman Jones. I said Mike Dana. Did you? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, Mike's like one of the only guys I'm comfy with. Um, uh, but even he reduced down into a three tech. And if I didn't, I'm sorry, Mike Dana. But I definitely meant to put you on that list. But like George Carloftis and Mike Dana are the only two I'm comfortable with. Charles Menehu, like I said, I'm excited. But I don't know what he'll look like in this defense, and like you said, Sam, he's you know, where is he going to play? He's going to reduce down sometimes into a three tech, and that's kind of what's happened with Mike Dana as well when they move Chris Jones out to match up with certain tackles. But uh, I mean, if you if you're telling me Frank Clark can't beat out Truman Jones, just cut him in training camp. But I think having that veteran voice in the locker room for a guy like FAU, for you know, for George Karloftis, who again is only going to be in his second year, Joshua Kando still hasn't shown that he's gonna break out or stay healthy. I I, I do think not That's a he good would be thing. on the roster. Huh?
2: Let's be honest, Joshua Kando is probably not going to make the roster. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't put money on that one. And that's kind of my point. It's like if it's because you're not gonna sign Clark to be anything more than a rotational piece, so he's not gonna get anything more than rotational piece money. Even if it looks like, you know, one year for nine bet money it's not mine. I will bet you anything it's more like a one for four or one for five, like at most, if if it actually does come to fruition that he returns to the Chiefs. Last question for tonight, and then we'll get out of here. And this is more of a, uh, maybe a revisiting because we've mentioned this at times before, like in free agency, when we're first looking at, uh, you know, players who are available, but if they didn't bring in Frank Clark, are there any other veteran defensive ends that you would like to see them bring in and, and see if they fit with this team? Again, considering that they don't really have a ton of top-end pass rush experience, right? So when you don't have a ton of like the, the guys who are going to get you double-digit sacks or really anybody who's going to get you double-digit sacks at defensive end anymore, just do what they've done and bring in as many bodies as you can to rotate and just keep guys fresh. Is there anybody that you have looked at uh, or want to revisit as an option for the Chiefs? Um, Sam, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I think, and again, kind of going off of uh, the link Johnson of Spotrax free agency. So I'm not digging deep in this sense. I'm just going off of names that I recognize. I, I really only see two that like, There are options. Hey, let's bring Carlos Dunlap back. Why? Like, Melvin Ingram. We've tried that. That didn't work. So I I look at it, and I'm going down the list, and I see two. And it's number one, the one that would be a legitimate, hey, you can come in, and and we could sign you potentially to a multi-year deal and be a player on the team, which is Yannick Ngakwe. And I think that's the name that we've thrown out. Jacob, I think, specifically has thrown out multiple times. Um the other one as a mercenary is Jadavion Clowney. Now I think Jadavion is no different than Charles Aminihue as far as what his role will be. Um Charles Amenhue, I think, has more versatility, but he's at this point in his career, he's an edge setting defensive end that can add some sacks. So but like I don't I don't see a place for, for Leonard Floyd. He's more of an outside linebacker than he is than he is a D end. Justin Houston will never be a chief again. I don't think, unfortunately. <laughs> like so, yeah. I, I would say Yannick Ngakwe and, and Jadavon Clowney.
0: Jacob, what about you? You like Sam said, Yannick Ngakwe's been a name you've thrown out. See, the only one, are there any others on that list for you?
1: I'm also in a two name list group with Sam. I'm with you. You're looking for this year's Carlos Dunlop slash this year's Melvin Ingram slash this year's insert of the random veteran that we've seen in the past, but not those guys because we've kicked the tires off on those guys, and there was a little bit of tread left on them, and then we completely burned them down just to completely bald tires. So you're looking for that next guy. Yannick Ngakwe works if you feel like you don't have enough pass rush juice from the guys you got. Because otherwise, it's like, how do you play this guy? And You're going to give him enough money that you feel like you need to pay him. Play him, sorry. You're going to pay him enough that you want to play him. The one I actually think is this year's Carlos Dunlop slash Melvin Ingram might be Leonard Floyd. He has consistent play over the last couple years. I mean, he has, I think, nine sacks, eight sacks, a couple back-to-back seasons. But I don't think he's going to cost an arm and a leg because he is a guy that is, I think, going to turn 31 this year, which is, you know, especially for a lineman, offense or defensive, that's getting up there in age is how much more can the body take. So he's the one that makes the most sense to me if you feel like there is a hole on the defense, which hopefully you don't. Hopefully you don't get there. Like, I'm cool with what they've got right now outside of maybe just a – I'll just use Frank Clark and Mike Pinnell as options of, like, level of those guys. Like, someone that's very low money that comes in and just eats snaps. Hopefully that's where they have to go. That's where they go instead of okay. We need somebody that can actually play some snaps and be a plus player.
0: Yeah, Yannick Ngakoue is the dream. That would be great if they could bring him in. Leonard Floyd, I had I hadn't bought him a whole lot, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, the one I'd be interested in seeing if they bring in, just because I think it'll be an indicator of maybe some definitive changes or at least different integration. Into how the Chiefs run a defense is, I would they bring in Robert Quinn? It was a name we talked a lot about last year. And if you're looking for specifically pass rush, I think that's that's a name that they would bring in as as strictly a third down person. Kind of maybe not like a Melvin Ingram. It's Melvin Ingram I think is a more well was more well rounded at the time that the Chiefs brought him in, and maybe Robert Quinn is. But I think if you're looking strictly for a third-down pass rusher, I think maybe that's a name. Um, if you're looking for you know, maybe a more of a base defensive end to, to that will set the edge the way a Frank Clark would, maybe Trey Flowers, he's not a pass rusher anymore that he, he used to be. He's not going to get you the six to seven sacks he once did. At least he hasn't in the last couple of years when he's been banged up. But if you're looking for a guy who can come in and set the edge in the run, I think that's a guy who's – probably more built for it than obviously Robert Quinn is. So I think it just depends on the level of investment they're going to want to do and what they think they actually need along that defensive line. I do have one quick other name
2: that I don't think it's feasible because of his overall cap number um, unless they cut him, but Zadarius Smith mm. from the Vikings. Obviously um. his contract situation is not good with the Vikings right now. They do have the out in 2023, and again, this is me looking at his contract within the period of you two talking, so I could be completely wrong, but my understanding is they do have an out in 2023. He'd be fun. He'd be a lot of fun. That's just like a dream one. That's like, Vikings be stupid and cut him, and then Chiefs be smart and get him.
0: All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. It's always an exciting thing with the Chiefs. You never really know what's going to get thrown at you. The minute you think that you can relax, they, they throw out another big bombshell. So let's all hang tight and see what they bring up next. And until next time, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.